Oh, my friends, welcome to the podcast that didn't want to be a podcast. This is my second time recording this whole thing through and my fourth time trying to produce this podcast. My neighbor has been working on her hillside for the last four days, which involves chainsaws and leaf blowers and weed whackers and all kinds of lovely loud <laughs> engine sounds. So this has been a challenge to get this one out, but here we are and I'm absolutely giving you my best shot, even if today my best isn't as good as it normally is. Hello colleagues, and welcome to another Five for Friday episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Today's shout out goes to Mitchell Hall, gifted and talented education specialist at Garrett County Public Schools in Maryland. He emailed me about the relationship matrix we featured on our August 30th daily email. Hi Frederick, I enjoy the relationship matrix. As I looked over the different categories on it, I realized why my most effective leaders have taken an interest in my life outside of school. I forwarded this email to three who have coached me, as opposed to simply advising or teaching me, and thanked them for making that investment. I just earned my administrator credential here in Maryland, and I really appreciate your podcast and online resources because they help me plan ahead and how I will lead when the opportunity arises. Thanks for sharing your experiences and your expertise. And Mitchell, thank you for, for the encouraging words, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be supporting the important work that you're doing now. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We're all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Today's episode of Five for Friday recaps the strategic leadership emails for the week of September 18th through 22nd, 2023. This week, I shared five strategies that are helping me to be a better leader right now. These strategies include identifying the next day's priorities, blocking off time in my calendar for important things, and capturing in my calendar what I do each day, using a timer to create urgency and keep me laser focused, morning routines, and having strategies for how I end my day. I hit one of these each day in the email this week, but here I wanna talk more about how they overlap and how each piece is connected to the other piece. And I'll also try to share a little bit about some of the barriers that I face sometimes to executing these. These are my ideals, right? If I hit all five of these things, 
I probably am killing it all day long. But full disclosure, while the strategies I think are perfect, or at least perfect for me, I'm not perfect and I'm not perfect in my execution. So there are lots of days that I don't hit the mark on these, on one of them or two of them, or sometimes if it's a bad day, maybe I miss on all five. So I just want you to know that I'm human. I don't nail these all the time, but I'm sharing them because they've been really helpful for me in being more productive and really happier at the end of the day. And these are all practices that maybe I've dabbled in before, but this fall, after I got back from my trip, I have really doubled down on these. And so without further ado, let's look at this. So today began yesterday and tomorrow will begin today. At the end of each of my work days, I look ahead. I look to the next day and usually I'll even look out a few days. And what I will do is think about what are the priorities? What are the three things that I must get done tomorrow that are those quadrant two things. It's not just because they're urgent, it's that they're going to move my business forward or they're going to serve and help somebody and add immediate value. And I don't do more than three priorities. I may have tasks sprinkled into my calendar. So my calendar might show six things, but three of those are the priorities. And those are the things that I'm going to get done. For example, just this morning, I had a training yesterday. And so one of my priority items was to reflect on that training and make updates for the next time I do that training. The second priority item was reaching out and communicating with a cohort of people that we're getting ready to do a training for, and then recording this podcast. So those are my three priorities. They don't always fall at the beginning of the day, but I try to stack them into that front end of the day, which for me is my peak productivity period. Like I'm, I'm nailing it in the morning. Once I get into 1.30, 2 o'clock, I'm not as productive. Now you might be different. And so where you schedule your priorities might be different. And of course, too, based on your school day and what's going on, you're going to look at that. But for a lot of assistant principals, that early morning time is actually a time that you can be pretty productive. So scheduling ahead the next day's priorities. And that actually feeds into having strategies for ending your day. Because once I know what tomorrow is going to look like, it makes it much easier for me to step away and not be thinking later in the day, oh, I gotta, I've got this to do tomorrow, or I'm not sure. Like it's already set, so I can just kind of set it and forget it. Now I've already talked about blocking time and this is, this is a game changer. It's absolutely critical. I shared a visual of my calendar and in the daily email. And if you look at the calendar, almost every minute is taken up and is clearly labeled. And I actually color code my calendar. So items in green are things that are kind of content related where I'm building stuff or taking care of things. The orange items are when I have calls or interactions with people. And red items are essential communications. And then brown items are travel or blocking time out so that 
people don't schedule calls for me. And finally, then in bright blue, I have my personal times. So many of those things are actually set up to be recurring events. On a good day, my day starts at 6 a.m. by doing a workout. My wife and I frequently do yoga together. And that's an aside, having an accountability partner for your morning routines is can, can be really, really critical. It is for me because there are a lot of days I get up and I don't feel like doing yoga or I don't feel like doing movement, but Pam's there and I don't want to let her down and we're going to do it together. So at 6 a.m., that is scheduled in every day. An hour later, I have my morning pages scheduled in every day because those are the two things that I do to start my morning. And that takes us to the morning routines which are absolutely essential. Your morning routines should really get about four or five things done for you. First, you should move. You really should be the first thing you do. Just get your blood flowing. If, as you get older, get some of that synovial fluid back in your joints so you're not feeling so stiff and sore. And it just wakes you up and gets your systems going. That doesn't have to be a workout. You don't have to spend 30, 40, 50 minutes doing some kind of intense workout, just moving for five minutes, doing some light stretching, something that's going to help your body become more alert, has huge benefits physically, but also mentally. So move. Another thing we need to do is to ground ourselves, and that can involve meditation. It can be looking at a sacred text, praying, any one of those things where you're going to stop thinking or try to stop thinking about all the stuff that's out there and just ground yourself and provide yourself with a sense of calm. So moving, grounding. Third is reflecting. And I do that in my morning pages. Every morning I write or attempt to write three pages, at least three pages in a notebook. And for me, it's just kind of a stream of consciousness, but also a lot of reflection on the day. I'm also very creative in the morning, so I can have ideas that will pop up in my head and I can capture those on my pages, which is great for me because then I'm not gonna be thinking about those ideas all day long. I can get them down on paper and then be done with them. So movement, grounding, reflection. And fourth is setting a daily intention, which is thinking about what's, what do I need to bring my to my work today? And I think for a lot of us, being fully present is a really good intention. And you can set that one over and over again, or going back to some of the messages we've had over the last few weeks, set an intention to make sure that you check in with specific people, make sure that you're greeting people this day and using that name and communicating, I am so glad to see you. There are lots of things you could do, but setting that intention is really important. And then finally is checking in with yourself. And I do that in my journal as well. When we're feeling great, when our energy's high and our creativity's high and we're ready to go work with people, we can set really high expectations for ourselves, and we should adjust our days accordingly. If we're feeling great, we may want to amp up our expectations on the flip side. If we're having a tough day, if we're struggling, if we're in pain or 
fighting an illness or just have had some things happen in our personal lives, we may not be at our peak. And so we've got to look at our schedule and again, make adjustments as needed. So that morning routine for me is really key in achieving those five things. And when I do that, then I enter my workday in a really strong state. I'm much less likely to chase shiny objects. I'm much less likely to get distracted. I'm much less likely to get that overwhelmed feeling. So the morning routines are essential, especially in the, in the kinds of work that y'all do where you're entering school and then it's, and then it's craziness for seven or eight hours. Starting with being grounded is just so, so important. Now, also going back to time blocking, not only do I use it to guide my specific days, but anytime I have a task that has to get done in the future, I go to my calendar and I look at where, when I want to do that cast, that task, and I drop in, drop it in on my calendar and I block that time. So I'm doing some course development work. I can estimate how many hours I think it's going to take me to develop that course. And then I go into my calendar. Maybe I want to do the bulk of it next week and then I'll finish it the week after. I will block those times now in next week's calendar and in the following week's calendar. So I have accountability for doing that. This does a couple things. One, it obviously puts my priorities into place on my days, which is helpful. It also stops me from taking on tasks that I don't have time to do. So it's easy if you don't have your calendar planned out and somebody says, oh, can we meet now? Or can we check in? Or can you do this task? And you say yes, but then you get into your day and you really don't have time to do that. If you force yourself to take those things and drop them into your calendar, you're going to see, hey, you know what? I have a really busy week next week. My time's already all booked. I don't have time to meet or I don't have time to take on this extra task. So in a way it's using your calendar as a to-do list. You probably know I don't like the idea of to-do lists. I like the idea of priority lists, but there are things that you have to schedule. And so that really helps me do it. The other thing I do with my calendar is throughout the day, as I go, I change my calendar events to reflect what I have actually done. So I didn't get up until seven this morning. And if you recall, my day starts at six. So I had to move my movement block on my calendar down to start at seven instead of six. And then of course I had to move my morning pages and then I had to move my personal block of time when I shower and eat and do that stuff. And then that bumped in my social media time that I usually do at a set time. So I had to adjust everything. And that is another piece of time blocking that's really powerful because now if I'm going to make a change, it's, it has to be done really intentionally. If I've got 45 minutes blocked off to answer email. I can't just then go over and say, oh, well, I'm, I'm taking 90. I have to be conscious. I have to look at my calendar and say, if I'm going to take my 90 minutes to do email, like something else needs to move. And so even when I decide that there's something I have to move off my calendar for that day, I'm having to be really intentional about moving it and I have to move it to somewhere. 
This actually happens to me a lot because even in my day, stuff comes up or things take longer or, you know, they're just different priorities that emerge. And if you look at my Fridays, they're usually much more of a hodgepodge of things than my other days. My other days tend to be more structured and Fridays tend to be those days where all the stuff, things that weren't the highest priority, those things got moved off the list and they just got stuck on Fridays, but at least they're still there. And I budgeted the time to go ahead and engage with them. The other thing that I'm doing that I haven't talked about yet is the timer. Now, I work on a Mac and it's got a nice clock app on it and I open that app and I have a nice countdown clock and I put that in the upper left-hand corner of my computer. I set that for a time based on what I'm doing. So I limit my time on social media to 30 minutes. So when I start my social media time, I will set my clock to 30 minutes and start the timer and then I'm into my social media. This helps me keep laser focused because knowing that clock is ticking, I know that I have a limited time and I have to get it done and move forward. I also do this when I do my daily emails, I try to get them all done in an hour. Now writing five good messages in an hour can be a real challenge, but I set that clock and again, it keeps me focused and not just focused in not picking up my phone to look at a message or, you know, getting distracted by an, by an idea, but just focused on getting words on the page. And in fact, sometimes what it does for me, it is allows me to give a C to something that I would otherwise want to give an A effort. So let's face it, you're getting five daily emails from me every week. They're not all going to be great. And if I took the time to make sure that everyone was the absolute best daily message I could send, that's all I would do for a whole day. It would take me hours to craft that, but I don't have hours. I have 60 minutes that I give myself. So what I'll find sometimes is I'll get down to Thursday or Friday and the clock is about to run out and I don't have much time. So I just pare down and I throw something up there and hope it's going to be good. That's giving a C. Sometimes those wind up being my best emails, but in a sense, it doesn't matter. You're going to get 25 messages from me every month, and some of them are going to be really good. Some of them aren't going to be so good, but the important thing is that you're getting them. So that clock helps me stay focused, stops me from getting distracted, but also helps me work fast and encourages me to be really realistic about how long things will take and then to be able to give a C when the A's just aren't fully necessary. One other thing I want to say about setting my clock is last week I just slipped out of the habit because that's what happens with these kinds of things. I stopped setting my clock routinely and what I found was that I began taking more time on tasks that should have been taking me less time. Just that edge of urgency kind of came off and I started spending more time reflecting on the daily email or more time crafting an email so that it would be better when in fact it didn't need to be better. It just needed to get done. So I've rededicated, refocused myself this week on setting that timer, and that has increased my productivity. 
I also need to warn you, you start working a week and you're setting your timer, if you're doing that consistently, it may be much more tiring because you are working at a higher intensity level, bringing your attention, narrowing your attention down to a single point. So you might initially finish the first week, two weeks more fatigued at the end of the day, depending on kind of the flow and the work that you do. That's been the case for me. But now as I've become accustomed to it, I've kind of rebounded and I don't feel as ground down at the end of the day. I'll also say because my productivity has increased, I'm actually able to work a little bit less time. So I'm not putting in days that are quite as long. And that would be my hope for you too. The final thing we need to look at is the strategies for ending the day. This is still a huge work in progress for me. I'm not good about it. I've never been good about it, but I've started to make some changes and try to reform myself. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this, the first strategy I use for ending my day is planning out my priorities for the next day so that then I can walk away. And I work from home, so it's my office is just across from my bedroom. So I try to leave this room, don't go back in because I find if I ever come back in this room in the evening, I'm tempted to just check email or check the number of podcast downloads or, or whatever. It, it pulls my head back into work. So I think you can use that technique when you go home, if you've got your computer, your work stuff, like put it out of sight so you're not seeing it and make sure that your notifications on your phone are turned off so that they're not popping up. If you have your email set to get those little red circle of how many emails are piling up, every time you pick up your phone, your head is gonna start going back to work. So you have got to turn off those notifications and those messages. And remember, one of the things I advocate for is that there are one, two, or three people who can get a hold of you in an emergency and they know if they call you, you will answer. If you have that set up, then you can ignore all the rest of the stuff. And by ignore, I don't mean just not respond. I mean, turn off the alerts so you're not seeing things. Anytime you're at home and you get an alert, you get an alert about work, your head is being pulled back into work. And so your day effectively has not ended. And I covered this in a different podcast or something at some point, but if you have a responsibility that has to be done after work hours, maybe calling substitutes or something like that, make sure that you are putting a really hard box around that. Don't sit on your couch watching Netflix and going through your email. That is absolutely a horrible, horrible thing to do. If you have to do something, have a dedicated space, a different room, or maybe a specific chair in your living room, or you know what, better yet, a closet. Go sit in the closet, do the things you need to do, and then shut it down and put it away. Put a hard box around the tasks that you have to do. Back to ending your day. Once the day's over and you hide all your stuff away, you've planned for tomorrow, walk out, change your clothes have some kind of a beverage. It doesn't have to be an alcoholic beverage, but just some kind of a beverage and maybe get in the habit of doing that because now you're signaling to your body that when I taste this, when I hear the liquid pouring into the glass, when I smell the aroma, that's a signal that I'm done. And that signal to me 
to start to relax, as does that part of changing into clothes. The other thing is that if you have a drive, listen to stuff that's soothing, calming, that feeds your interests outside of work on your drive home. You may have noticed we actually moved our podcast times from three o'clock in the afternoon to 6 a.m. in the morning. And that was a very intentional choice because I want to encourage you to bring your head into work in the morning by listening to the podcast. But I mean, I love getting downloads and listens, but I don't want you listening to this podcast in the afternoon because I want you to start listening to music or podcasts about backpacking or whatever your hobbies are so that you're coming home in the mode to be home. And then you can give the people at home your best and you can receive from them their best. So that's it. Those are my five big practices that are helping me to be a better leader right now. Identifying the next day's priorities, blocking off time in my calendar for my priorities, and then capturing in my calendar what I actually do each day, using that timer to create urgency, and taking care of my morning routines so that I move, so that I'm grounded, that I have reflection time, that I can be intentional and check in with myself, and having strategies for ending your day. That's this week's Five for Friday rendition of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. As I record this, we have 17 ratings and four reviews, and we seem to be stuck on those numbers. So please, please help us move the needle because increasing those numbers does help other people find the show. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Have a great weekend. Cheers. Mm -hmm.